Hello and welcome to episode two of the Baseball Backroads Podcast. First, just want to say a big thank you to everyone who downloaded the podcast since we've launched. We've exceeded 100 downloads in the first several weeks of operation. We've had listeners in the United States, Germany, Finland, and the UK. So thank you so much to everyone who listened in. Stay, stay tuned for episode three of the podcast, which may be of particular interest to our European listeners, featuring Andy Berglund, where we really dive into European baseball. Andy has spent a large portion of his life playing and coaching in Europe. He's coached the Prague Eagles in the Czech Republic, the Czech national team, the Belgian national team, and has coached and scouted at countless camps and showcases around Europe. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation and get a strong insight into European baseball and African baseball since Andy recently coached a South African national team in the World Baseball Classic qualifier in Regensburg, Germany. So stay tuned for that episode in a couple of weeks. But today's guest is Alex Bushiers. Alex is currently the pitching coach for the Washington Wild Things of the Frontier League, but Alex also played all over the world. He pitched for the Wichita Wingnuts in the American Association and also played winter ball in Australia and Nicaragua. He goes in-depth on those experiences and tells some unique stories about his playing days. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Alex Boshears on the Backroads. Hey, Alex, it's Shelby. Hey, man. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I got you. I got you loud and clear. You got me okay? Yes, sir. Good deal, man. Well, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Um, we'll just, you know, talk about baseball, what you, your career, coaching, all that good stuff. That sounds good to you. Sounds perfect, man. Cool. So I know we have a we have a mutual friend who is also a previous guest from Eric Ebers. Uh, I know he was your pitching coach in college. How was it playing for good old Coach Ebers? Um, I love Coach Ebers, man. He is yeah. such a genuine person. Um, very knowledgeable, and I think at the time at the time he came in, he was someone that I needed mm. um, because at the time, you know, you play college ball, you always end up with a college, college pitching coach that only played college. Yeah. And it's great because they understand what you're going through and all that. But I feel like I needed guidance of what I was wanting to get into. And he brought that to the table because he had been there and done it before. Yeah. Um, so hearing, you know, when he tells me something, I know he probably learned it at either a bigger college than me or in the professional ranking. And it kind of made me listen a little more. And, you know, I was fortunate to have him. I think he was there my sophomore year. And then he left and then he came back for my fifth year. And, okay. uh, you know, that was a, it was a big help to have him there. Um, coming off Tommy John going into my fifth year and knowing that if this is it, at least I learned the most I was going to get out of being in a college environment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's, he's definitely one of the best coaches i've ever played for i I played for him in 09 at the new york collegiate league oh yeah um, yeah so he was yeah and it was he's one of those guys where the stuff he tells you you go out and do on the mound and it's and it's an immediate impact yeah. um i remember he told me once um 
He said, Hey, try, try picking off on like back to back attempts. You know, you got a good, he, I had a pretty good move over to first base for righty. And so he said, I think if you go back to bat when they, uh, after that first one, they extended a little bit. I think you may get a few guys. And sure enough, next inning, I think I walked to the eight hole hitter with two outs, which of course is a cardinal sin. Oh but then God. back back to back picks picked him off and ended the inning. So it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, you're you're the guy. You're the guy that I'm in the dugout pulling my hair on yes. right yes. now. Yes, absolutely. In yeah. the coaching world, I'm yanking my hair out that you just walked <laughs> the eight hole hitter. Yeah. Hey, but if you pick him off, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, you better get, you better find a way to get. Yeah, you're about to say, yeah, you better pick him off. You're gonna walk back. <laughs> That's a good transition. So you're coaching right now with the Washington Wild Things, the Frontier League. How's your season going so far? Um, it could be a lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had our we've had our ups and downs. Um, you know, it's never good when you start the season six and one, and then you go on a seven game losing streak right after. Mm. Yeah. Um. But you know we're 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 turning some things around a little bit. We've uh, unfortunately, it's the first time in my coaching career it's felt like we've had a revolving door with the pitching staff. Okay. Um, you know, and there's still some pieces that we need to improve on. Um, but we're we're getting there. I mean, we we are pretty much right now the way that I kind of view it. We are a Good indie ball team, which means we have a very good lineup. We have three quality starting pitchers, and we've got a closer. And it's piecing the puzzle together between those that is going to decide if you're going to be really good or you're just going to have a mediocre to average season. Um, and this is my being my third year there. It's the first time we've really had to have this kind of feeling. I mean, I think uh, the first two between last year and the year before, um, we as a team had won more games than anyone else in the league. Oh wow! Um, so it's probably uh, the baseball gods telling us that we won enough. So now it's time <laughs> for us to get our losses. Um, yeah, got to balance it out. Yeah, so I mean it's going well, and you know there's some definite bright spots. We got some guys really swinging the bat right now. Um, we got a couple guys really throwing the rock. It's just having everybody else piece it together with us and yeah, do what we need them to do. And we keep telling them every day, man. Um, not asking you to be more than what you already are. Right. I just need you to work a little harder and try a little harder. Yeah. Not yeah. asking you to go out there and strike out everybody, but if you could strike out one or two more an outing, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of dominate the routine play, and then every now and then be exceptional, and that's uh, absolutely pretty, pretty good formula. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you mentioned a lot of turnover. How do you guys manage that turnover? Because I know the indie ball world is a is unique in that in that. Um, in that way, sometimes where you you have a lot of players coming in and out of the course of the season. So how do how do you guys kind of maintain you know the culture you want to have and kind of the standards you want to implement uh, with you know a lot of turnover like that? The biggest thing, at least for us, is first of all looking for quality human beings. I yeah, mean, sure. Yeah, you know that's that's the part that I think a lot of people don't you know they kind of overlook of. Yeah, the guy's talented, but what have I heard about him as a person? 
Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen it. There's been there's been guys we've turned down because I've we've heard different things um, that probably could have helped us. But you know, you're talking about twenty three other guys that got to be in that clubhouse with them. I don't see him all the time. They right. do. Um, is he going to ruffle feathers? Is it going to make is he going to make anyone better by being around, or is he just going to bring things down? Um, so I mean, you got to look for that, and then. The hardest part about when guys are struggling is figuring out if you've determined that they're a lost cause or if there's enough to work with that maybe buys them another week. Yeah. Um, and it gives me, you know, it gives me a chance to maybe drag him into the bullpen or our hitting coach to take a guy to the cage and try to work on some stuff. And, you know, we've we've seen it where guys are – kind of stuck in their ways and they don't want to try something. And, you know, it's unfortunate because that's what's going to end up getting them released. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, I've seen the guys that try to hit the ball in the air too much and it's, you don't have that kind of power. It's not your game. You're, you run a six, five, 60. Why are we trying to hit the ball? In the air? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if they're too stubborn and hard headed and, you know, you pretty much, we just flat out tell them you got a week to start hitting the ball on the ground. And if not, that's, what's going to get you out of the game. Mm, and yeah. If they, and if they do it, they buy themselves some more time. And if they don't, you know, you can find somebody else with more pop that'll hit a, hit the ball in the air. That's easy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it's also hard because it feels like you're bringing in a new face every day and you know, it's, them trying to get adjusted to it and everyone everyone's trying to kind of feel them out and it can create havoc and obviously you're not trying to do that but sometimes it's the necessary evil of the game yeah no for sure yeah and it's uh interesting to hear you talk about it that way because you know it, it's almost the same on every level you know you realize how similar the game is from little league up to pro balls you're looking for quality, coachable individuals, and once you have that, you can do all. You can have a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And it's finding guys that are going to play the game the way you want them to. Right. Yeah. Um. We've, you know, you got what was it? What was it? Buck Showalter or whatever that used to used to work for the three run homer. So oh, that's yeah. how he, That's <laughs> how he built his lineup. Yeah. So if you were one of those two guys that wasn't able to get on base, there's really no use for you in our right. system. Yeah. Um, we're not, our, our lineup in general is not defined by the three run home run, but we definitely got some guys that are there to drive runs in. And right. if you're not doing what we're paying you to do, then what's the point of you being here? No, for sure. For sure. Find somebody else that'll take my money and do what I ask him to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> um, have you guys sent any guys into the minor leagues? I know a lot of guys, any ball, they end up getting signed you know, after the draft or around this time of year out of there yeah. in the independent league, you guys had any guys you sent, sent on into the minors? Um, we've had one this year. Um, and he actually got taken during spring training. Okay. Um, so in season so far, we've not sent anybody. Um, we've had a decent amount, um, over the three years that I've been there, we've had, um, a lot of them actually happen in the off season um, okay. for us, at least um, we had a guy in 2021 that I couldn't believe 
was there as long as he was. I think he threw, I think it was like, I don't know, 39 innings and had a zero ERA. Oh, wow. He was 94, 96, punching out the world, didn't walk anybody, only gave up like 12 hits. It was something ridiculous. Wow. And we were begging people to sign this guy. Like, hmm. And finally, they, they pulled the trigger and, you know, we had a kid that was got signed in spring training or right at the early stages of the season in 21 that out of the woodworks gets picked up um, handful in the off season after really, really good years, guys that were with us that maybe we moved on from that ended up getting picked up, um, you know, and it, like we told them, it had nothing to do with you as a person or you as a talent. We just didn't have time. Right. We didn't have time to, we were, we were scuffling. We had to make moves and lo and behold, a handful of weeks or a year or so later, they, something clicked and bang, they're gone. Um, Right. We've had a lot of success getting guys out. And I think that's why we keep getting really good, talented ball players. And, um, it definitely helps when you're getting arms out for sure. Um, Oh yeah. Makes me look a lot better than what I actually am. <laughs> hey, good players always make up for coaches, right? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so let's uh, let's transition into your playing career a little bit. So you started out with Wichita and the American Association. Um, so how'd you get into how'd you get into pro ball? How'd you find your way there to Wichita? Um, it's actually kind of a wild story. I was hoping so. so. Some of the origin <laughs> stories getting into any ball can be kind of can be interesting. I got one myself, but let's hear it. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, so I finished up at Martin in 2014 and, you know, I just gotten a brand new elbow. So I oh, felt no. like I was doing myself a disservice by not trying to continue playing. Um, had had some pretty decent looks my junior and even my senior year before I got hurt. Um, and I just, I never panned out, never could put it all together and, do what I needed to do to get drafted or get signed or anything like that. Um, went to a couple of uh, like MLB scouting bureau workouts, which I don't even think they do those anymore. Mm. Um, did fine. Nothing really panned out on it though. And uh, a buddy of mine gives me a phone number to the manager of the Wichita wing nuts named Kevin Hooper. Um, who played in the big leagues and had been managing with Wichita for a while. Um, he's now the uh, field coordinator for the Braves. Oh, so he's he's a pretty high class, very respected individual now, and was then too. And uh, I sent him a text, and I was informed that I'm not supposed to have managers' personal numbers. Um, <laughs> You're supposed to send, you know, to the front office or yeah, something like that. Um, I had emailed a bunch of people. Wichita was never on my radar because I never, I never personally thought I was good enough to play at that level. Right. Um, I thought, okay, I got to go Pecos League, I got to go Frontier League <clears throat> or something like that. And um, sure. none of that ever worked. I sent Hoop a message. Basically just telling him, like, please don't look at my numbers because they're not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
give me a chance to show you in person what I can do. And then you determine if there's something to work with. So I didn't get a message back and thought, well, whatever. And um, I resent it like two weeks later, the exact same message. And he texts me back and just said, look, where are you at right now? I told him I was in Nashville, Tennessee. And he was like, all right, that's like 14 hours away. If you're willing to drive down here to Wichita, I'm willing to sit down and watch. Well, yeah. So I was like, okay, when are you back? And he goes, <clears throat> he goes, we're on a road trip. We'll be back in two days. Can you make it? So packed my stuff up that night and I left the next morning, drove down there. Next day I throw and uh, did fine, you know, better than I expected I would. And him, the GM and the pitching coach, start having a conversation and they're like, look, there's something there. Not sure what it is, but, uh, I don't want you to leave yet. There's a chance I can do something with you. I just don't know when. So they got me with a college summer team that took graduated seniors okay. there in Wichita. And, um, at the time, the rosters in the American association was only 22 players. So you had pretty much 12 and 10. Um, and he just told me straight up, he was like, I don't lie to people. I never will. Um, but I got 22 guys in that clubhouse that are just better than you. Mm. Um, he was like, I, we're going to win the thing this year. And I just don't know how much I'm going to, I'm going to benefit from having you here. Um, lo and behold, they go 73 and 27 that season and win the whole thing. Wow. They swept the playoffs. It's never been done in the American Association except for that one. Swept oh, wow. right through. Um, so yeah, well, I wasn't. He, was, he wasn't. Help. He wasn't kidding then, was he? <laughs> no, I wasn't going to help. If anything, I would have cost him a few games. Um, so go into. He never picks me up. I go into the off season. Um, my now wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, I was like, I want to give it one more. Like one, give me one full year. And then I'll give this up, settle down and get a real job and grow up. And yeah. so she was agreeing, agreeing to it. And I, uh, he calls me in December and says, Hey, you want to come work out again? So about a month later, drive back down. He tells me there's three of you guys here. Someone's getting signed. I'm taking somebody from today. Um, so I feel really good. Um, the first guy goes. I did not know who it was. Um, I saw two pitches and wanted to just walk out the door. Oh, there's, no, there's no point. Um, guy, guy's name was Charlie Lowell. Who was a, he ended up being a teammate of mine, and he's still a friend of mine. Um, 90, 93, 95 lefty. Had, uh, was a first team all American at Wichita State and mm. high round draft pick. So I knew and what's the point? Did everything I could. Calls me. He called me like three weeks later and said, Look, I'm not gonna go. I think you know what I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Charlie. But I got you a job. Uh the Gateway Grizzlies owe me a favor. They're gonna sign you. Mm. So sign with Gateway that night. He had 
the night he called me, I signed with him that night. Um, they didn't know who I was, nothing. But I came recommended by Kevin Hooper. So get there, do the do spring training. Um, was told I was going to be the opening day closer. And uh, the last night of cuts, I get called in the office and I get let, let, let go. And um, I did not handle it very well. Um, I said my piece and blew him up a little bit because I felt like I was lied to. Mm. And uh, probably not the way I should have handled it. But, you know, when you're when you're that young and you're full of piss and vinegar, that's what you're going to get. Right. And I call Hoop and he said, go home, gather your thoughts and get back down here because if nothing else, you're going to make you're going to be a professional for me. He's like, you've done enough. You've done everything I've ever asked you to do. You deserve it. Even if it's one day, I'm going to let you pitch. Oh, wow. So I end up back down there, um, had gone to a handful of Frontier League workouts and pretty much just got passed on every time. And uh, he finally called me one day, and or he texted me, actually, because I was pitching in another like in a league where I was older than the head coach. Oh, wow. And uh, by far the oldest guy in the league. And they had transitioned it to like a semi-pro. So as long as I wasn't on a contract, I could play. And he called me and was like, what are you doing? Told him I was sitting in the press box at a game, running music for the – game and everything and he was like you're gonna pitch tonight and i was like well if you're coming to watch yeah i'm gonna throw and he was like nope i'm not coming don't throw because i need an arm for a double header tomorrow and you're it oh nice so showed up the next day and uh shockingly was activated i and i was kind of in awe that this had actually happened and um, and somehow, you know, seven years later was still playing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, no, that's awesome. It's, uh, it's a kind of a testament to the perseverance. I mean, I have a similar story kind of in that way, but a lot of getting into pro ball is your drive and perseverance and, you know, just sticking with it. And you, you, you kind of land somewhere if you got the ability to do it, somebody will, somebody will give you a chance if you, if you find them and look for it hard enough. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I tell kids all the time now, it only takes one person to like you enough. Oh yeah. To get a chance. And yeah, some of the guys that I am coaching against and friends with now were ones that turned me down. Oh yeah. And, you know, a guy that really had no business giving me the time of day um, for some reason believed in me. And, you know, I still talk to Hoop, and he said he's told that story a lot, that mm. out of nowhere he got gifted a gym. And he's like, I don't know what I did to deserve getting just a guy off the streets that was able to do what you did. Um, I think I came like, I think I ended up coming like two votes shy of winning the rookie of the year that year. Oh, wow. Um, 
I mean, 48 innings out of the bullpen with a 180 RA will do that for you. Sure. And like he said, he was like, you know, he was like, there was something there. But the the beauty of what he did was he told me flat to my face, you will never have a defined role as long as I can kind of work around it because the way I want to use you is going to be obscure. Mm. You're not going to be a setup man. You're not going to be a closer. And he's like, and I don't think it does you justice to be my touchdown guy. And he's like, but I'm going to pick the right scenarios to where you will be successful because that's the only way that this works and we will be successful if I'm right. Mm -hmm. And at the time I threw, I threw a pitch that no one else on our roster had, which is my split finger. Okay. Um, no one threw it. And that was what caught his eye because he didn't have a guy that did that and knew this is something different that I can run out there that will play. And, you know, you've been around it long enough of, you know, you've got to have different guys. You can't just keep running the same player out with a different name. Oh, yeah. And thankfully, I ran into someone who needed a guy with a split finger and a little bit of a sinking fastball, and I just happened to show up at the right place at the right time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that right place, right time. That was I pretty much got signed because I had a passport. And um, I went to a tryout um, on on a loan from my sister and my dad to fly out to it and stay in a hotel. And yep. went to a tryout. The team for multiple it was a multiple teams uh, thing, and uh, the, it was a multiple day tryout as well. So the next day, I'd pitch one day. The next day, I get to the yard, and they're like, um, "Hey, who's who brought a passport with them?" And for some reason, I'd brought a passport. It was in Yuma, Arizona. So I thought, if I want to go into Mexico, I'll just bring my passport. I've never been to Mexico. If I don't get signed, at least I'll go say I've been to Mexico. Yeah. And then the next day, they're like, "Who has a passport?" So I raise my hand. And what happened was a guy, the Yuma Scorpions in the Golden League, um, there was a guy, they were getting ready to do a 15-day road trip in Canada, and one of their pitchers didn't have a passport. So he got released, and I got signed. And the next day, I was on a flight to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was starting, uh, and I started, we flew overnight, and then I started the next day on the mound. So it was pretty pretty crazy whirlwind. But uh, I feel like a lot of folks got stories like that where they just kind of right place, right time, a little perseverance, and you find yourself into pro ball. Yeah, I mean – and since COVID happened, you know, I was, I've been coaching post COVID. So my first year we were in all those protocols and we absolutely did the exact same thing because you had to have, you had to have a COVID vaccine to go to Canada. Mm -hmm. So we had fill in guys that they could, that we took them because they had a passport and they had the vaccine shot. Yep. And some of and one guy we still have three years oh, wow. like nice. but that's how he started was we knew he could hit and we knew that he could go to Canada if we gotta go. And that's how he got with us. And then we ended up having to trade him. And then last year, um the same situation came up where we had a guy without the vaccine that, you know. To each their own. He didn't want to get it, and that's okay. Not going to force him to do it. And 
Tristan had it. So he was on the shelf ready to go and he met us and went to Canada with us and we've had him ever since. So it, it, it's a, that's the part people don't understand is you've got to be ready for any possible opportunity that could. Right. You know, we've look at winter ball. I did that two years. And if I didn't have a passport, no one's going to sign me because I can't oh, yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. So t- tell us about winter ball. I know you, you played in Australia and then also you said Nicaragua, I believe. Yeah. Uh, how, how was that? How was the Australia experience? We'll start with that one. How was, how'd that go for you? Australia is absolutely incredible. Um, I highly suggest if the opportunity ever comes, go. Um, whether it's to play, coach, just vacation, whatever, it's absolutely amazing. Um, the people there are such good people. Um, baseball is thriving now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a big deal down there now. Um, and it was when I got there, but it's even on a larger scale now because you're seeing more Aussies getting into the big leagues and into affiliated ball. Right. It's it's really taking off, and I think the people there are starting to enjoy it more because it has gotten bigger. Um, but it was probably the single like one of my single favorite experiences my entire playing career and even life. I mean, it's hard to turn down going to paradise for four months. Oh yeah. Getting to fly around the country rather than riding a bus all the time. Um, you felt like you, you were important for the first time in your career of my goodness, I'm flying. Like I'm on a, (laughs) I'm on a, I'm on a cross country flight to go play a game. Yeah. And facing, you know, facing a lot of people that had done some really cool things. Um, that year that I went was 2017 going into 2018 and I faced a guy from Melbourne named Tamoya Mori and, you know, I, I would have never seen that guy. And oddly enough, I had seen a video of him hitting before I ever got down there, went viral on Twitter because he sticks his leg across home plate. Oh, wow. When he when he does his leg kick, he sticks his leg straight out and covers the bottom half of the zone, which was interesting because everyone was like, "How? Like, what do you do?" And I figured out the first swing I saw of him, I was like, "I'm gonna throw at his leg. You're gonna cover my. You're gonna cover up my catcher's target. I'm gonna throw it right at your leg." <laughs> How'd that go? Uh, really well, actually. I yeah. I punched him out the two times I faced him. Oh, nice. Um, I just kept throwing him sinkers and change-ups and just let it run off of his leg because by that point, by the time he could get his foot back down, he was spinning to the inner half, uh-huh. and he couldn't he couldn't cover the outside half. So I just kept throwing it right where his foot would get across home plate and just let it take off. Oh, nice. nice. As you we were talking, I just looked him up. Looks like he's having a pretty good career in Japan now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's a, like he's a catcher. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, he was batting right behind Doman Young. Oh, no way. In Australia. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
So that was my, uh, I threw opening day down there. So it was, I played for Perth. So it was us versus Melbourne opening weekend. And, uh, you know, they're, I think Melbourne's leadoff hitter at the time was Daryl George, who is the, uh, he's an infielder for the national team. Okay. Um, and then you had, I can't remember who else was in that lineup except for uh, Delman and Maury. And yeah. they had one or two other guys that I think were on the national team circuit. And uh, they had two or three big league arms that I recognized from playing in the uh, independent circuit. And um, it was such a fun experience and made the all-star game there. So uh, it was the uh, it was Australia versus the world. So it was all the imports on one team and uh, pretty much the Australian national team against us. Okay, that's that's fun. Um, so, yeah, that was it was such a cool experience. And, you know, you only play on the weekends there. Mm-hmm. So it's Thursday through Sunday or you do Friday, double Saturday, one Sunday. And so you get a couple of days to just kind of go be a tourist. And it was even better to start opening day of every road trip because then I got two or three days to go explore in Sydney and Brisbane and everywhere else that we went. So, yeah, that's awesome. It was definitely, so I did that one. I did that one the winter after I went to Nicaragua. So I had done Nicaragua back to, or I went Wichita, Nicaragua, back to Wichita, then to Australia. Um, And it was definitely different than what Nicaragua was. I can tell you that. How how was that experience? Um, It was intimidating at first because I do not speak a lot of Spanish. Okay. Uh, Um. I didn't know what I had just gotten myself into. Um, I knew what winter ball was because I had had a bunch of buddies that had played down in Venezuela, Mexico, Dominican, all those good places, but didn't know anyone who had been to Nicaragua at the time. And um, I knew the lore of it. I knew that it was definitely a very poor country. Um, I knew that Roberto Clemente had died on a, plane going down there from the mm-hmm. earthquake um and my my team was a team called the indios del boer and it was in managua so it's in the capital of nicaragua and uh that's where the big earthquake hit and you know that was in the 70s and it looked like they were still rebuilding oh man um it was rough um thankfully they put me in a really nice place i was in this like little resort right across the street from the airport. So felt super safe. Um, we rode in a, we rode a shuttle bus every day to, over to the field. Um, the field was less than desirable in terms of like the surface, but yeah. it was one of those things where it was like such a culture shock that I've never, I've never done a lot of this stuff, but you have to embrace it. Oh yeah. You know, I've never, I always showered before games, showered after games. You didn't do that there. Mm. Um, when you wanted to use, when you wanted to go to the bathroom, the toilets don't have water in them. So you had a trough of water and like a paint bucket and you would fill the back of the tank with the water and then flush it down. Okay. 
but you also could not flush your toilet paper because their septic system isn't good. Uh, so, you know, you do your thing, you wipe, and you either throw it on the floor or you toss it in a bucket and someone comes and picks that up later. Mm. Um, in the stands, they didn't, like, if you went to the regular one, you had to pay for your toilet paper. Because um, they got to pay someone to come in there and pick it up. Wow. Um, so when my wife came down, I was like, just take some toilet paper with you in case you need it. Um, don't spend it and just embrace it. Yeah. Like, this is their culture. This is their world. Just don't try to act, you know, all mightier than thou and just just stick with it. Yeah. You'll you'll feel better afterwards. Like after you leave this place, you'll be like, man, I really appreciate everything that I've got. Yeah. How how was the how was the fan experience? Did they have big fan base down, <laughs> down there? Yeah. 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 It was um it was wild. That was probably the craziest experiences i've ever had during a game um had the swat team the nicaraguan swat team called in after a game one time oh wow um my my wife was there for that one um funny so my first start there wasn't terrible like by any stretch i think i went like i think i went five innings and gave up four runs it wasn't anything like spectacular but it wasn't bad and um the day before we had eaten they would bring us these like boxes of food and you would eat and we'd walk out of the dugout the clubhouse was behind the dugout you'd walk out and then you'd go up through the concourse to go get to the shuttle bus outside the stadium so you'd have kids out there you'd have fans wanting to talk to you and everything else which was fine with me because i didn't even speak spanish and i was the only american on our team so Everyone was kind of wanting to talk to me, but I can't really talk to you. So it kind of, I I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions, which was fine by me at the time until I could get more comfortable. Well, after that start, we're sitting down eating. I'm, uh, and they were like, Hey, the shuttle's here. So I go to leave and my catcher was like, no, Poppy, we're going to go out this way. And he points out the back door of our clubhouse. And I was like, well, I was like, I thought we always went through the concourse. And he's like, not tonight. And I was like, oh, okay, why? And he goes, because there's some people that want to have a conversation with you, and we don't need that. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I guess to them, that wasn't good enough. And, you know, and I also understand because I'm an American in their country, and I just took a job from a guy that is probably a local that could be making some money. Mm-hmm. And they know imports make more money than the local guys do. So they knew that I was probably getting taken care of pretty well. And that wasn't enough for them. So when, you know, went out the back and everything kind of smoothed over, that was really like the worst outing I had. So everything else was fine. They took care of some, some things, but, uh, the day the, uh, the day the SWAT team showed up got real hairy. There was uh we were getting our brains beat in bad. And there was probably, I don't know, eight or nine thousand people in the crowd. 
and there's behind home plate, there's like a uh, VIP area. So it's, you have to, you have to have a specific ticket to get in there and there's like guards at it because this is like the high class people in the area. So some of the people in the grandstands are screaming and yelling at our manager. My wife is there and his wife is there. So he was from Cuba. So he understood everything. I had no clue what was going on. They start yelling some super out of pocket things at him. And he got really mad and tried to go out into the stands and take care of some things. Mm. So one guy looked at me and he said, you better grab your wife. So this is like the eighth inning. So I stick my head out of the club or out of the dugout. I opened the fence and I was like, get in here. So she sat in the dugout with us the rest of the game. And uh, game ends. I had uh, I I grabbed one of the security guards and handed him handed him some money and said, "Do not let her out of your sight." And you yell for me if something happens, and I'm gonna come out swinging. Like she's not getting touched. Do not let a single person that is not part of this team get anywhere near her. So. Everything was fine, and then we went to leave, and uh, there were some people gathered around our manager and our coaching staff, and I guess it was not going very well. So they rushed us out to the van. We all get on the van, and uh, before we knew it, there was a bunch of cop cars swinging in, and uh, you saw some people in some riot gear walking in to put it to bed. we we got out of there quick. Wow. They they rushed us out and uh my wife turned and looked at me and was like, What the hell did you get us into? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. I was like, it's it's not been this bad. I promise you it's not been this bad. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I was like, This is this is a little farther than what I ever expected. And it was the only time it ever happened. Um, yeah. You know, we never had any we didn't clear benches we didn't fight none of that stuff so it it went better than i expected yeah man (laughs) that's that's pretty wild i can't i can't say i have any any had ever had the uh, police called or swat team to any any of the games i was in so that's (laughs) that's pretty that's pretty wild that was my Um, one and only yeah man i did i have cleared the benches a few times in in the career my career but uh never never a swat team so yeah the clearing um, the benches are always they're always they're always fun to a certain degree because it's always such a good story to tell as to how you got to that point yeah for sure um you know i i work with a lot of high school and middle school kids when i'm back home and i feel like that's always one of the questions and they're like is it fun i'm like no it's not It's it's fun afterwards. Yeah, it's, it's fun because you get to tell a good story. Yeah, I'm like at the time it's I can't go down because there are 50 grown men with spikes on their feet, and right. no one's gonna stop because you get knocked down. Yeah, stay on your feet. <laughs> it's like so you are on high alert, and you're looking for every non-Jersey that is not on your back. And 
making sure that no one takes a swing at me, no one swings at one of my teammates. And most of the time it never, you know, you know how it is. No one hardly ever throws punches. Oh, yeah. It's just pushing, shoving, yelling at each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, yeah, there's been- a few times where some punches have been thrown over the years, but it's never gotten out, out of control. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned keeping your feet. I, um, we had, we, I was in the Czech Republic playing baseball and we okay. had a benches clearing in the game two of a doubleheader and I had pitched game one. So I had my trainers on, so no spikes and the bench is clear and I run out and I'm, I'm the biggest guy on the field. Like Americans, I guess we're just bigger than Czech folks in general. Um, yeah. um, I'm also a bigger guy myself, but I was definitely the biggest guy on the field that day and I'm running out and, uh, like I said, I got the trainers on, so I slip and I almost fall. And when I catch myself, it looked like I was doing like a Michael Jackson breakdance move or something because I fell backwards. I caught myself <laughs> on my back of my hands and then popped right back up. And then I was face-to-face with the guy on the opposing team, and he's bust out laughing, and so do I because I look so ridiculous. And that just like completely diffused the situation after that. Yeah. So we were both like, oh, great, you look dumb. All right, let's 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 go back. Let's, just, let's not do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that's been the hardest part as a coach because I'm now there to defuse the situation. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. You know, obviously I'm going to get my hands dirty if I have to, but at the same time, like, if you see me pushing you, it's not because I'm trying to start anything. It's because I'm trying to stop. Yeah. I'm trying to get everything. So, like, I've I've definitely shoved a handful of guys from the other teams in the last couple of years, just trying to get in the middle. Yeah. Like just to get in where they're going to see that I'm not wearing a Jersey. So I'm trying to get things settled down. Right. And sometimes it works. And then of course, someone decides they want to say something to someone else. And then you just feel the walls crashing in again. And right. It's like you, you get it paused for a little bit and then someone decides they want to say something else. And then here we go again. It's like, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Yep. 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 You didn't even, you didn't even throw a punch when you got in there. So why are you trying to start it up again? Right. Exactly. Oh man. Well, um, I appreciate your time. I, I won't take too much more. Let's, um, if you're up for it, we'll do maybe a maybe a lightning round. I'll ask you know five or Absolutely. six five or six yeah, questions. Well. Just kind of. Uh, so, what was where? What was the best at- atmosphere where you played? Um, Nicaragua was awesome, and so was Saint Paul, Minnesota. Oh yeah, I've heard great things about the Saints. I've heard that's those, those, that's quite a great good environment. You had guys chomping at the bit to start those games. Oh, I bet. I bet everyone yeah. everyone wanted to pitch in those because you got a sellout crowd of eighty yeah. five hundred people. It's a circus in the stands and on the field, and it's just it was so much fun to play in those games. wasn't wasn't weren't the Saints started by Bill Vec, the old owner or general manager of something of the um, White Sox? I think his son or some yes. of the, yeah. So if you know about uh, Bill Vec's tenure in Chicago, it's not really surprising that St. Paul is quite the environment. No. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah, It's like I said, man, it's a circus. We played a game there in 2017 where they, they broke the record for the world's largest game of Twister. 
Oh, nice. Um, and you can find the video. The videos on YouTube of them preparing it, and we played them the next day. There was over fifty six thousand Twitter dot or um, Twister dots. Oh wow! Spread from the it covered the entire outfield, wow. line to line, infield dirt to warning track, and it was we played the game on it. And, wow! You know, you had people a huge crowd and they stayed the whole time so they could get out there and do that. That's awesome. And then on top of that, you got all the ushers dressed up in costumes and everything running around the stands. So it's just, there's nothing like playing a game against them. Yeah, that's great. All right. So, uh, what was the best mascot or team name for a team you played for? Um, gotta be the wing nuts. Yeah, that's good. Gotta be the wing nuts. Who was who was your favorite player as a kid? Um, I was a huge fan of Greg Maddox. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Uh, so who's your biggest role model in baseball? Um, it would probably be him or my dad. Yeah. Um, my dad was my dad grew up very very poor, um, and was not financially able to really play organized sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always enjoyed sports. So to me, it felt like a lot of what I did was to give him something to watch that he was never personally able to do himself. Oh yeah. No, that yeah. Um, being able to share a lot. No, I, yeah, I have, um, similar with, uh, my dad, just, I think, uh, baseball, something about fathers and sons. It's, it's uh, that bonding thing. It's, it's, it's a special, special bond in that way. Yeah, and it was from a guy that never once complained about me wanting to do stuff. Oh, yeah. it was, I want to, he'd get home from working 13, 14 hours. I want to play catch. All right, let me get, let me grab something to eat and let's go do it. Yeah. Never once was like, I'm too tired. For sure. For sure. I'll, he would throw to me, shoot basketball, whatever I wanted to do. It was, all right, let's go. Yep. Yep. Um, all right, so favorite team growing up? Uh, the Atlanta Braves. Yep. And then I guess, so our last one here is what is one piece of advice you would give to someone pursuing a career in pro ball? If you want it, don't let anything stop you. There are, there are always going to be the people that don't care. There's going to be people that are going to tell you, you can't do it. Um, find the ones that are going to support you. Um, and I like what you, I like what you said earlier, just a hundred people can say no, only takes one. Yes. Yeah. And it's weeding through and trying to find that person. Um, I was fortunate that my parents always supported me for it. Um, my now wife stuck through it that whole time as hard as it had to be with me being gone all the time. Um, I know some of the girls that I had dated before would have never stood for it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if that was the case, I was going to have to make that tough decision of, am I going to try to keep this in my life or am I going to go try to play? Yeah. And I was perfectly content with ruining relationships, losing <laughs> friends. Yeah. Because no, I get it. Yeah. I knew what I wanted. And I think that that's, that's something that scares a lot of people. And it's one of those that if you fully believe that you are capable of doing it, you've got to push through the tough decisions and understand that, you know, I'm 32 years old 
and this is my ninth year in professional baseball and it's never going to be glamorous it's always going to be tough and it's does it mean enough to you to go do it and ride that bus for 14 15 hours and your back hurts your body's begging you to stop and you know there's always going to be people that are on the bandwagon and there's some you got to kick off and figuring out if that's something you're capable of doing as a person. And, you know, thankfully my core group of people always supported me and that's all I needed. Um, yeah. May not be know, glam, may not be glamorous, but it's the best job in the world. Absolutely. And I, you know, I would love to, I would love to have a real stable job and be making way more money than I am now, but I wouldn't be happy. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I I don't do baseball anymore. I, I don't play or coach or anything. And I've had some relative success in my new uh, professional life, but uh, it doesn't compare. It's, no, it's not. It's, my, it's doesn't compare. My my wife my wife told me one time that she said, "Alex, I know that I will never make you happier than when you're on that field playing." She's like, "I've accepted that." <laughs> She was like, I will. She was like, you'll never smile the way that you do when you're out there. Mm -hmm. So why would I want? Why would I want to take that away from you? Well, that's how you know you got the keeper, my man. Absolutely. That's why I married you. That's right. That's right. Well, good deal. Well, hey, like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us today and talk about your story and pro career. So uh, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. Good deal, man. Well. uh, Yep. Thanks again, man. And take, take care. Yes, sir. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Alex for taking the time to join us today. Remember to follow us on Instagram at baseball backroads and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the backroads. roads.